Hi, everyone. It's Bobby Sylvester, host of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. We've got a quick message to start with a message from one of our sponsors this week. Mech Weldon sponsoring our show this week, and they sent me some of their premium fabric underwear. Look, every pair of underwear I've ever owned has just been uncomfortable. I'm always readjusting. I thought I just had to deal with it. I had no idea that there was better underwear technology out there that doesn't force you to be uncomfortable. Do yourself a favor and try the best pair of underwear you've never worn. They also have socks, shirts, and my new favorite sweatshirt. They all look good and perform well, and we've got a promo code for you. All you have to do, go to MacWeldon.com to get 20% off using the promo code FANTASYPROS. That's Mac, M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N.com, and the promo code is FANTASYPROS, all one word. All right, now on to some fantasy football. This is the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast, and I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. We had several big news stories surface since our waiver wire show, and here to chat with me today about these news items, our week seven rankings, and a few buy low, sell high trade candidates is Mike Teglier of ProFootballFocus.com. But first, I want to let you all know we're doing another My Playbook Ultimate Upgrade with all the goodies to help you win your fantasy league. All you have to do to enter is subscribe and review us on iTunes, then copy-paste it to me in an email or tweet. That's bobby at fantasypros.com or on Twitter at bobbyfantasypro. All right, let's get into it. Hi, Mike. Thanks for coming on the show again. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a beautiful morning. We're heading into week seven. It's, uh, we're almost halfway through the fantasy season. It's, it's really kind of sad. Uh, I know I, I know a lot of people look forward to the break from the grind, but I, I kind of enjoy it. I'm, I'm weird like that. The, the grind is the best part of the year uh, because it's a grind about fantasy football. I mean, if I was going to a job where, you know, I wasn't enjoying it or anything. Uh, sure. Of course, I wouldn't like the grind. I'd want to be out of it. But it's fantasy football time. I mean, uh, you're right. It makes me sad that we're so far along already. And um, I don't know. I, I, I just hope that I make the playoffs in all my important leagues so that I can hold on to it just a little longer. Yeah, no, I kind of went overboard this year. I played in, uh, I think I'm in 15 different leagues and it, it turned out to be too many. Uh, even though I'm doing, even though I'm doing football full time, I just don't have time to look at all the different waiver wires. And especially this week, you know, this week was a huge one for waiver wires. And it's like, I don't even know who I have where, or if I even got half the players where I wanted them. And it, it's just, uh, I need to get back to the basics when it comes to actually playing the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a messy week for waiver wire. I mean, I saw Ty Montgomery go for $35 in one league, I think 80 in another and two in another league. And these are all leagues where people are trying really hard. Uh, And I was reading that somebody who was in a bunch of expert leagues was saying, you know, in these expert leagues, Ty Montgomery is going so much higher in terms of fab money uh, than he's going in, you know, just my friends leagues. Why is that? Why are the experts so high in Ty Montgomery right now? Because the waiver wire is kind of desolate. Uh, there's not much on there because like, you know, most people carry the high upside players in their bench in the expert leagues. And it, it's funny you mentioned that because I tried picking up Ty Montgomery in the flex league. And that's a league with, you know, uh, Pat Thorman, Mike Clay, uh, Jake Seeley, like all these other guys from the industry. And um, I I think I bid, it was like 25 on Ty Montgomery and he went for, I think, 70. So I was like way off. Um, I, I actually did grab Ty Montgomery in a few places. Um, I was interested to get him, but only if I needed a spot starter uh, at wide receiver with the bye weeks and everything. But it's a really weird year for me because I had a lot of Dante Moncrief. I had uh, Corey Coleman in a lot of places because I was able to get him, you know, outside the top 40 wide receivers in a lot of drafts. And uh, those two you know, they're the guys that I, I hesitated to drop back when, you know, they got hurt. And it, I've really paid the price for that because, you know, it, it was like one of those strategy things where I'm like, OK, well, I think I have a deep enough bench to do it. But then the bye weeks came, more injuries happened. And, you know, I ended up having to drop some significant players in order to salvage these guys. And now it's to the point where I'm still having issues and I still don't want to drop them because I feel like they're going to be back in like a week or two. And it's just like that weird moment. So I, I kind of screwed that up earlier. I should have probably dropped Corey Coleman you know, wherever I had them, because it's now been, what, five weeks? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm in uh, very similar circumstances in, in two of my leagues where I just think, if I can just hang on to these guys, once I get to the playoffs, I'm just going to cruise because my team's going to be so good. First of all, we don't know if these guys are even going to come back and be 100%, but the thing is, 
it's costing me wins. I might not make the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. That's where I'm at. So it's just like, yeah, it's definitely a strategy thing year over year. And that's I, I, I like leagues with deep, deeper benches, but uh, I understand the strategy behind the shallow ones, though. So let's talk about this Packers running back situation, because Eddie Lacy is probably going to be out for a few weeks. We know he's definitely out this week. James Starks is out for a month. So we've got Niall Davis, who they just traded for, and Ty Montgomery this week. Uh, who, who are you taking this week? How are these carries going to be split up this week? Well, Don Jackson was called up, too, and, and reportedly he's going to be the starting running back. Now, I just read something this morning, one of the beat writers out of Green Bay, which honestly, out of Green Bay, there's been a lot of mixed reports this year. Even even through the offseason, there were people saying that Devontae Adams was going to get cut and and then he was the starter. And so there's there's been a lot of conflicting reports out of Green Bay. So I, I'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt. But they're saying that Ty Montgomery should lead the the, the team in snaps in, uh, in this week. But I was told that Don Jackson is the one that's actually going to see more snaps. We don't even know if Niall Davis is going to be active because he was just he was just traded for, you know, what 48 hours ago. So um, it's very, very small time frame to learn an offense. So I would tend to think it's going to be Ty Montgomery mixed in with Don Jackson quite a bit this week. Um, but if anything, for me, um, this just this goes, I, I believe you, usually the Green Bay Chicago games are, are a bit of a dis- defensive struggle. You know, um, Lovey Smith days. They because I'm a Bears fan, I've been able to watch all these games and this is going to be a completely different Bears Packers game than you're used to. Rodgers is used to being conservative. You know, McCarthy pulls the plug. He says that we're not going to throw the ball a ton. We just want to game manage. They don't have the offense to do that anymore. They really they don't have the running game to do it. So Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball more than, I think, 43 times in two of the last four weeks. That's something he typically only does two or three times a year. So you're looking at, you know, a higher volume passing attack for the Packers. And then you go to the Bears, whose run game is going to struggle against this Green Bay front. They have a secondary that's down their top three cornerbacks in this game. So I do believe that this is probably the week that Alshon Jeffrey owners have been waiting for. Um, There have been two wide receivers that have gone straight nuclear on uh, the Packers secondary. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 182 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Marvin Jones, 205 and two. And that was with their their secondary relatively healthy. So um, Alshon Jeffrey is a fantastic play in this game. Cameron Meredith, I think everybody's starting him at this point. They should be. They they really should be. Now, what about in in the future weeks? I mean, is Niall Davis going to take this job over? We can look at his nine career games that he started, and he's been a startable running back in flex leagues, eight of those nine games. That's a great percentage. And then in four of those games, he was top 10. I I got that stat from Anthony Amico, and uh, it's a great stat. It really is, but it's important to remember this. Um, It's important to remember that Andy Reid running backs are typically excellent. Um, you know, there's a reason that why at PFF we were recommending um, to pick up Charkandrick West, you know, when something that happened to Jamal Charles, Niall Davis, he didn't really do to, it was more on volume. If you go through those game logs, Niall Davis was purely a volume play in those games. But going over the history of Andy Reid running backs, they average more yards per carry under him than like any other coach, like his starting running backs, just they do extremely well. And you saw that kind of continue with Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles is back. And it's just always something with Andy Reid, whereas in Green Bay, their run blocking hasn't really been that great. I mean, you've seen Eddie Lacy break tackles and, you know, rumble his way to close to five yards per carry this year. But James Starks has trouble getting things going. I just don't believe in Nile Davis's talent. So I'm not I don't even know if necessarily he wins the job over this Don Jackson. This might be a one week audition for Don Jackson to run with the job. And Nile Davis is more of like the James Starks of the offense. And Eddie Lacy might even be back next week. Uh, they're saying probably not. But, you know. These kind of things happen where they rush him back, and it's it's Eddie Lacy. So, yeah, the Packers might want to rush him back. Yeah, they're saying that IR is a possibility. And, you know, whenever you even hear that word, it, it like it, it's a real possibility. Like you heard it with Sammy Watkins. You heard it with Eric Decker. And then it's just like these players put it off. Whenever they go to get a second opinion, usually that tells me that it's really not good. That's terrible news. And Tom Montgomery, I, I wanted to talk about him a little more. I think his upside's kind of limited. I, I think he's startable this week. I definitely think so. He's probably going to get, you know, five to 10 carries, but I can't see them giving him any more carries than that. And then he'll probably get another five to eight targets. He's not going to get the 10 receptions he had last week, but uh, I do like Ty Montgomery. I think he could be good the rest of the season. So, um, you know, there's there's a reason he was picked up in virtually every league this week. Uh, I, I think he's going to be solid. 
He is going to be solid. Um, and the, the best part about it, though, is that Devontae Adams is not going to play this game either. So uh, Ty Montgomery is not only going to act as a running back half the time, but he's probably going to stay on the field as the third wide receiver for the other half. So he's a full time player and a Packers offense that, you know, they should get things going against the Bears. The Bears keep surprising me by holding opponents to, you know, I guess respectable numbers, but nothing over the top because this defense is nothing special. They've suffered a lot of injuries um, especially to their front seven. So you would think that the secondary would suffer. They lost Kyle Fuller. There are just so many reasons that the Bears defense should be really bad. They haven't been, but I do believe that this is a game where Aaron Rodgers can expose them. I keep talking them down. So, so I hope that you're right this week. Uh, they keep they keep biting me in the butt, but uh, you know that's another thing. Let's talk about Big Ben being out for four to six weeks. How's this going to affect Antonio Brown and Sammy Coates? I mean, ECR, which means expert consensus rankings. I say that a lot. Uh, Antonio Brown has been moved all the way down to number 10 this week, even though the Pats don't have some world beater kind of secondary. It's not one of the best in the NFL. So where does Brown stand when Big Ben's out? Well, this week, yeah, I'm I'm I'm. Me, I'm down on him. Um, just be it's, it hasn't it doesn't really have much to do with what happened in the past, but it has more to do with the the opposition combined with what with Landry Jones starting because the, the Patriots don't have that shutdown lockdown corner. But what they do is they typically shade a safety that way because they make sure Bill Belichick's like, we're going to take away your number one option now. You could talk about Le'Veon Bell and say they have to focus on him a little bit more. But here's some a couple number one wide receivers like John Brown, one catch for eight yards. DeAndre Hopkins, four catches, 56 yards. Terrell Pryor, five catches, 48 yards. A.J. Green, six catches for 88 yards. None of them have scored a touchdown. So it seems like all of the number one options outside of outside of slot receivers, the 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 Patriots have really struggled with slot receivers this year. Logan Ryan has not been good. Um, it's been really actually historically bad what he's done in the slot. So, you know, I'd be curious to see if Eli Rogers can somehow get going in this game. But Antonio Brown going forward, I, I, I wouldn't worry about him as much as people want you to believe, because last year you're talking about Michael Vick, the guy that was replacing Ben Roethlisberger. Michael Vick is awful. Like he can't he's never going to make any fantasy wide receiver outside of Deshaun Jackson any good, um, you know, but he played one game with Landry Jones. He did. He did fine in that game. I think it was six catches for 139 yards. I mean, that's you'll, you'll take that. It's just like any other number one wide receiver in the league. Like you look at Terrell Pryor. He's been able to be a, a somewhat of a wide receiver, too, with Cody Kessler as his quarterback. You know, like guys with talent will make their quarterback look better. And Antonio Brown is obviously an exceptional talent in this league. It removes his you know, 180 yard, two touchdown upside. Sure. But I, I, he's still a wide receiver one. You know, I don't think that Ben Roethlisberger is really all that good. Obviously he's a top 10 fantasy player when he's healthy, but you know, I think that if he didn't have Antonio Brown on his team, he'd probably be right there around 15, 16 with guys like Andy Dalton. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I think that Antonio Brown makes him so much better. And I think he'll do the same thing for Landry Jones. So typically I'm still going to have Antonio Brown right there in my top three. He's probably not number one or number two because I love Jones and, and Beckham with what they have going on with Matt Ryan and, and Eli Manning. But you know, this week, I do have Antonio Brown all the way down at number eight. Now, he's still going to be started by every team. But the reason for that is there's so many good matchups with the top tier wide receivers this week. And we'll get into that a little bit. But, um, you know, I don't think Antonio Brown really drops that much with Big Ben out. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I just think that some people have overreacted and they've told me, should I sell them? Should I sell them? Everybody knows what you're going to do. I mean, for me, if you're able, if there's an owner in your league that's going around offering up Antonio Brown, take advantage of it, get Antonio Brown, and he's going to be a wide receiver one. And then once Roethlisberger comes back, which by the way, Ben Roethlisberger could be back. He might miss one game. Like I know a lot of people are, these timelines are getting out of control now, but think about it. Ben Roethlisberger is one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. He doesn't rely on his movement at all. Uh, he played the second half through whatever he was dealing with. Um, you know, he's got two weeks. He's got the Patriots. They have their bye week. And then he, he might be back. I wouldn't put it past him because he's one of those guys that does miss games every single year. But he's usually back within one or two games. So uh, I know he had surgery and all that stuff. But his timeline, I would think the longest three to four weeks. Now, Carlos Hyde, they're saying, is a stretch to play this week. Is Mike Davis startable if Hyde's ruled out? Ugh, I'm not excited about it at all. I'm not. I, I don't know if I could ever trust Mike Davis. That guy was so bad last year. Um, but, you know, Tampa Bay, they I know that they kind of allow they've allowed 
quite a bit of touchdowns this year, but they still their yards per carry. They've had some injuries on, on their front line uh, over the last couple weeks, but they're still allowing just 3.7 yards per carry. Um, they're a better run defense. than I think people give them credit for. They're more of like a funnel defense. Honestly, this is a matchup where um, <laughs> Kaepernick should be able to throw. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I ever want to say it. I don't know if I ever want to say that out loud again, um, but no, I'm Mike Davis. He's more of like a flex player. I mean, running backs are so hard to come by. I guess you could say he's a flex play, but I'm not really excited about playing him. I wouldn't be surprised. I, Colin Kaepernick's trying to save his career right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he runs the ball 10 times for 120 yards, has has one or two huge runs. This is the type of game that sets up perfectly for Kaepernick, and I'm going to be getting him in my DFS lineup. It really is. And this is one of those weeks where it's like, you know, I touted Torrey Smith so much before the season and it's something I've had to live with. And it, believe me, it's not fun. Um, but I, I felt like my reasoning was there and it was right. And uh, to see him at least be willing to throw the ball to Torrey Smith last week was a positive sign for me. At least he knows where his, his playmakers are, because regardless of how you feel about Torrey Smith in fantasy football, he's still a good football player. Um, he's just been buried on a bad offense. So to see him do that and to see them going up against Tampa Bay this week, I think Torrey Smith could be a fine high upside wide receiver three in this matchup. And we also found out recently that Geno Smith is going to be the new quarterback in New York. I can't believe how bad it's getting over there. But what I want to know is, how does this affect guys like Brandon Marshall and those running backs they have there? Well, you know, what's funny is I was at the the Cardinals Jets game on Monday night and uh, I was able to see Ryan Fitzpatrick up close and how bad he was um, like he he was throwing balls like five feet behind players. And they were supposed to be timed routes, too, where he knew where he was throwing the ball. And I think what happened is, you know, Todd Bowles after the game said Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starter, you know, and I think they wa- went and watched tape and they, they seen basically how what I saw, how bad he was like. It was legit bad, like one of the worst quarterback performances I think I've ever seen. And I've lived in Chicago. Um, so so it, it's really bad. Um, so I don't know if it really affects Brandon Marshall that much with how bad Fitzpatrick was playing um, this week. It, it just happens to be a great matchup for Geno Smith and Brandon Marshall. Uh, it seems like Jimmy Smith might not play. We know Sharice Wright has been, you know, a, a drum that has been beat all year long. Um, it's it's you basically just start whoever's playing against Sharice Wright and Brandon Marshall. If if in fact Jimmy Smith is out. Brandon, Brandon Marshall becomes like a must play in DFS lineups. You're, you're going to play him in season long. I don't think it affects him too much. Brandon Marshall has played with a lot of different quarterbacks in his career, and he's produced with every single one of them. Um, there was a stat. It was it was before last year because a lot of people gave up on Marshall. And I, my stat was that any any year that Marshall's played at least, I think, 14 games, he's finished as a top 24 wide receiver. And he's played with Matt Moore. He's played with Cutler. He's played with um, uh, Kyle Orton. There's just been a lot of bad quarterbacks in his path. But in Geno Smith is he's just another one of those guys. So, um, yeah, Brandon Marshall, he's still a borderline wide receiver one at worst, a wide receiver two. Do you think they're going to run the ball more with Powell and Forte? Pa- Powell out snapped Forte last week. Is he taking over there? He kind of has to. I know Forte is kind of nicked up. Um, and Bilal Powell, I <laughs> This is another guy I said before the season. I don't know what people were expecting out of Bilal Paul. He's a journeyman. He's been in the league for five years. We know what he is. Like people were expecting a breakout from him. I'm like, guys don't sit on the bench behind other players for five years. And then just like all of a sudden, oh, oh, we realize now that this guy's really, really good. He's a he's a he's a solid NFL player, but he's not a guy that's going to rack up 20 touches. Um, Matt Forte. The age is caught up. There was no way he was going to hold up to the workload that they were giving him. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm not excited about owning either one of them, um, especially this week. Baltimore is really, really good against the run. Um, I, I wouldn't want to play either of them this week. But if, if you had to start one, we're getting close to the point where it's Bilal Paul over Matt Forte. You know, I disagree with you on this one big time. And usually on this show, I have a hard time disagreeing with you because you just have such sound logic. And there's a lot of logic in this one. But I think of Michael Turner. Michael Turner sat behind uh, LaDainian Tomlinson for a long time. And I realized the guy's pals been sitting behind are not LaDainian Tomlinson. But there's people who, you know, just haven't had the right chance, haven't had the right circumstance. And when they get that chance, they become an RB1 and you never see it coming. And so, you know, because we're saying it's Powell, it's probably not Powell. It's probably someone crazy like Don Jackson, right? Um, But, you know, I'm looking at what Powell's done this season. 
He's averaging six yards per carry right now when his long is 16 yards. He hasn't even broken off a long run, but he's getting big chunks of yards. And I think he's going to take this job and run away with it and be one of these guys that everyone's wishing they had and come fantasy playoff time. Um, maybe I'm too optimistic on Powell, but I'm, I'm still a big believer. For me, he's kind of like a, uh, an upgraded version of Theo Riddick running the ball, but he can, he can catch the ball to the backfield, which is good, which is why I do believe he could have flex play written on him just because of what he does out of the backfield. He catches passes. And I, the reason I would say that Michael Turner was behind. Yeah, I know that he was behind Ladanian Tomlinson. But the thing with Michael Turner is that, you know, once once. Once Tomlinson was gone, Turner was the guy like they didn't have any doubt. They were like, we're putting this guy in. He's the guy. And I think Sproles was there at that time with him. And he was like the third down guy. But Bilal Powell, once this free agency market hit, you know, Chris Ivory, I, I'm, I was never a huge Ivory guy. Um, and I know last year, even when Ivory was struggling towards the end of the year, I want to say Bilal Powell never never carried the ball more than 10 times. So that tells you that Todd Bowles basically didn't believe in him. Even when Ivory was struggling, there was games where Ivory didn't even play and Powell never even hit. I, I want to say the number was 10 carries. Um, and then they, the jets almost let him walk in free agency. You know, they kept signing people and were like, okay, I guess they're not bringing Paul back. And then he was signed like after the fact, after they got Kyrie Robinson, after they got Matt Forte. So he was kind of an afterthought. I just don't know if the jets coaching staff really likes Bilal Paul is like that guy. Um, but they might not have a choice going forward just because Matt Forte is not holding up. Those are some good numbers, Mike. You've uh, you've got me nervous about my uh, my affinity for for Powell. Um, you know, you also think about Michael Turner. He was a big bruiser. That, that's not Powell. Uh, so it's not really <laughs> a bowling ball. You know, I'm just I'm just trying to use stats to to, to validate my opinion about Powell. So, yeah, <laughs> that no, that's all right. believe me, I could be wrong. Believe me, I've been wrong before. <laughs> Well, Doug Martin is going to be out again, and Jaquiz Rogers had 30 carries last week. Is he going to get another 20-plus this week? I I was yelled at on Twitter yesterday um, for suggesting that Jaquiz Rogers is a fantastic start. He actually ended up at, he ended up in my uh, Locks of the Week article that I write for PFF, and there were so many reasons to like him this week. Now, you know, everybody points at, you know, he got 35 touches last game. Well, that doesn't always dictate what you're going to get the next game. Now he he got a he totaled 129 yards against the Panthers. The Panthers are not a bad run defense. Their pass defense is yeah, their pass defense is pathetic. Um, but that now we're talking about going up against a 49ers defense that has allowed a 100 yard rusher in five straight games. They've allowed every opponent to total a minimum of 24 carries, including 30 or more in four of them. So you're talking about massive volume. There's really no one. Was it Peyton Barber behind him on the depth chart? This guy, most people don't even know his name. Um, now, the, another reason to like him is that the 49ers can't sustain long drives with Colin Kaepernick. We know what he is. He's a boomer bust player. And so the great news here is that if Colin Kaepernick can't keep a long uh, or can't score on a drive, well, that's just going to be lots of time for Jaquiz Rogers. If, he, if Colin Kaepernick can score, Rogers is, is game script proof. He, he will play in the passing game. That's what he's been known for his entire career. The 49ers opponents, like my favorite stat of all of it, the 49ers opponents, because of that unable to sustain drives, is 69.5 plays per game. That's the third most in the NFL. Um, I don't know if Jaquiz Rogers is, is a touchdown guy, um, but the 49ers have allowed nine rushing touchdowns in their last five games. So It's amazing. Uh, it really is. Jaquiz Rogers, he's a fantastic play. And, you know, when we're talking about running backs, we're talking about DFS and whatever else, you're just looking for guaranteed volume. That running back, the difference in fantasy points per touch between running backs is very, very minuscule. So what you do is you follow the volume and scoring will come. Jaquiz Rogers has a fantastic matchup and is guaranteed, I would say guaranteed to see 20 touches. How high do you have him in your rankings? I'm seeing him number 23 at ECR, and I was brave enough to bump him all the way up to 16, but I could even see him going higher. I mean, I would not be the least bit shocked if if even a marginal talent like Rodgers goes off and ends up the RB2 or RB3 this week. Oh, I agree. I actually, myself, I put him up to, I believe it was number 11 or 12. Um, he's right in that RB1 border territory just because I couldn't start him over some other guys, you know, like Todd Gurley or whatever. Um, but he there is make no mistake about it. He is a must start this week. Yeah. And you guys may think that that Mike and I are a little bit too high on Rodgers. And that may be the case. But expert consensus rankings have him at number 23. That's startable in every small flex league. Um, 
he's got you that some people, the ECR, some people may have not adjusted their rankings yet for Doug Martin being out. So that number is only going to go up. I promise you by the time game time comes around, a lot of people are going to catch on. And I do believe he's going to end up his ECR should probably end up right around number 17. Now we're going to take a quick break for a word from one of our sponsors. Do you play daily fantasy? If so, you should check out Draft. On Draft, you do simple snake drafts, just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season-long league. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last for just one week, and they only take a couple minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free or play for real money. And get this, your chance of winning on Draft are almost 200% better than your chances of winning playing salary cap daily fantasy. I have the Draft app on my phone and just did a 10-person draft in minutes. I got AJ Green with the fourth pick. I'm about to do another one. Join me. Download Draft now. Just search Draft in the App Store and it will come up first. Be sure to enter the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, when you download and you'll get a 100% bonus when you deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store and be sure to enter the promo code FANTASYPROS. All right, back on to our fantasy football conversation. Now, LaShawn McCoy left practice with a, a tight hammy. Um, he's had some hammy problems in the past, but is he a concern to miss week seven or maybe even longer? He is. They they called it a mid, uh, mild to mid-grade strain, and I'm waiting to hear more information, but it sounds like from, from the doctors that I follow and the doctors that I, you know have a good track record for, for talking about these injuries, um, Gene Brammel's one. Um, he was saying that usually what that means is that it's a minimum one to two week injury and it could be three to four if it's a grade two strain. Um, they haven't talked much about it. Um, teammates said that they didn't see a specific time where he, where he was actually injured. So it, there's a lot of questions surrounding it. So I haven't totally given up hope, but I, I don't think he plays this week. I think that that's off the table. Um, so I think you're looking at Mike Gillisley against the dolphins. How many carries is he going to get? Are they going to trust him with the full load? I, I would think so. Um, Jonathan Williams hasn't really shown himself. Carlos Williams is obviously out of the picture. Uh, Reggie Bush is done. I don't. I didn't understand that signing when they did it. Um, I still don't understand it. Um, and th- there's a lot of people asked. Like one of the biggest questions was, do I start Mike Gillisley or Jaquiz Rogers? And my answer was Rogers. Um, and I, again, I caught some flack for that because of the yards per game that Miami's allowing. They've allowed it's I think seven hundred something rushing yards through six games, and yeah, that's 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 a lot. They've only allowed one rushing touchdown, uh, and that was to Legarrette Blunt in week two. And like, look at listen to these names that they've gone against: Kristen Michael, Legarrette Blunt, Isaiah Crowell, Jeremy Hill, Demarco Murray, and Le'Veon Bell. Those are not the easiest running backs to stop. So. To think that Mike Gillisley is is in that company, I don't really think so. Um, also, a lot of those guys that I just mentioned, they have a quarterback who can actually present a threat. I don't know if people worry about Tyrod Taylor and you know Robert Woods and Marquise Goodwin or Justin Hunter. I don't think that people are, are too worried about that, whereas Gillisley is going to see more stacked boxes than some of these running backs did. Mike, let's take a close look at our rankings. And for those of you listening at home, you can follow along by opening up fantasypros.com, then clicking week seven rankings right there towards the middle of the screen under the yellow banner. These are our expert consensus rankings, which I often refer to as ECR. Uh, It takes the rankings of 140 experts and forms a consensus expert opinion. And it's really been accurate in the past, but obviously Mike and I have varying opinions on players. So we're going to talk about some noteworthy players that we believe in more or less than ECR this week. And we're going to start at the quarterback position. Mike, who's a guy that you're really fond of this week? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, I noticed that um, I'm higher on him than most. I have him at number five right now. And uh, I know it's hard to to trust Andy Dalton <laughs> that high, but Andy Dalton's been really good this year, actually um, averaging almost 18 fantasy points a game. Um, and he, the, the, the part where you have to like him a little more, not only is the run game struggling, but they're going against the Browns this week. Um, 7.5% of the attempted passes against the Browns this year have gone for a touchdown, which is that's the most in the NFL. Um, they've allowed at least 278 passing yards in five of their six games. I went through every single quarterback that's played against them. And um, it was Carson Wentz in his first game, 19.2 Flacco. He averages. So I looked at every quarterback and I basically said, here are their fantasy points against others. And here's what they did against the Browns. Every quarterback had at least 1.2 more fantasy points than they do on average. 
Andy Dalton, as I said, he's sitting close to 18 fantasy points. This Browns team has allowed uh, three passing touchdowns in four straight games. And, you know, like understand that some of these quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota. That is so bad. Yes. Yes. They've allowed multiple passing touchdowns going back to last year. It's been 13 of 14 games. They've allowed multiple touchdowns. A.J. Green, they don't have a cornerback or a secondary or a prayer to stop A.J. Green in this game. Andy Dalton, it should be a game where he's got, you know, at least 302. Green's my number one wide receiver this week. I am starting him in every single DFS lineup. I I think it's like the Julio Jones matchup against the Panthers a few weeks ago where, you know, I just couldn't afford to leave him out of my lineup. It's just a perfect matchup for him. Yeah, speaking of which, Julio Jones has got a fantastic one this this week too. So those those two are easy, the top two wide receivers for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I really like Mike Evans too, just because of the volume he's getting. He has had so many more air yards than anybody else. It's really not even close, and it's another good matchup for him. Mm-hmm. It really is, Mike. And well, Vincent Jackson's out too. So if you look at the splits through Mike Evans' career with Vincent Jackson out of the lineup, like his targets per game is ridiculous. I think it's I want to say it's somewhere around like 14 targets per game, which is just unheard of. Uh, Mike Evans might end this season with over 200 targets. And, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, that's always good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. What are they going to do? Throw the ball to Humphreys or Cameron Brait? I mean, exactly. they, they really exactly. don't Chris have Rogers. It's, the, it's the Mike Evans show this week. It's the Mike Evans show the rest of the season. And I'm trying to buy him in every single league because I don't think his stock is high enough. I think it's going to keep going up. Oh, yeah. No, I, I did my rest of season rankings. I think I have him at number four uh, for the rest of the season. So he's he's a fantastic one. I was trying to get him wherever I could, um, but nobody wants to sell a guy that's seeing that many targets. So you've got Andy Dalton all the way up at number five. I'm a believer in Dalton, too. I'm telling everyone to start him this week. I've got him at number nine. But there's one guy uh, that I have a little bit higher. I have Blake Bortles at number seven. Blake Bortles has been horrible. Um, he just he really looks bad, but he's going up against the Oakland defense. I mean, I would tell you to start Joe Flacco against the Oakland defense or Sam Bradford against the Oakland defense. We're talking about Blake Bortles who was really good last year, and he's got some killer weapons. Uh, Allen Robinson's a clear-cut wide receiver one. He's another great start this week, isn't he? And then Allen Hearns, he really hasn't put it together this year, but we know he's a good talent. And then Marquise Lee, he's he's breaking out into a fine uh, fantasy football player that I wouldn't mind flexing this week against Oakland. So I, I like Blake Bortles to start. Um, if you've got a, a start-sit question about Blake Bortles, the answer is start him. <laughs> I actually have Bortles. It's funny you mentioned that because I, in my locks of the week article, uh, it's for DFS purposes, but Andy Dalton and Blake Bortles were my two quarterbacks that I said start. Sweet. Now, how do you feel about Alex Smith? Because I'm also high on him. I've got him at number 11. If the, if the Saints weren't so bad against the run, I would I would be I'd be more inclined to play Alex Smith. But like Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles should have field days against this defense. Um, that's why I'm super high on Spencer Ware this week. Uh, the the Saints are allowing opposing running backs to average 30 touches per game. Um, it's about 24 carries, six six receptions. Um, <laughs> they're allowing a touchdown on 8.3% of carries. That is, uh, let me explain how bad that is. The next closest team is 6.1%. So we're talking like a 30% increase, more touchdowns against the Saints than any other team. Um, Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles, you could argue that they're both going to be top 15 plays this week. That's where I've got them. I've got Jamal Charles number 15 and Spencer Ware number nine right now. You know, I'm thinking about it though. And Spencer Ware got all those carries, especially later in the game because the field was wet. And I'm thinking maybe they just didn't want to run Jamal Charles out there and risk further injury. They were planning on giving him a bunch of carries, either that or it was coach speak. But I think Jamal Charles might out touch Spencer Ware this week. I don't know. Like, so it was conflicting last week. Uh, the OC was talking about and he was saying we're going to sprinkle in some Jamal Charles. And that's ideal. That's actually what happened. That was before the whole weather thing even came up. I know Andy Reid said he's ready. But I got into this conversation with Brandon uh, Marianne Lee. She's my coworker at PFF. We, we, we got into the conversation last week. And it was almost like an argument because she started saying that Jamal Charles would see more carries because he gives them the best chance to win. I said that I didn't even know if that was the case anymore because I think Spencer Ware is that good. You know, you're talking about a guy that's averaged over five yards per carry and he's doing a lot of it after contact. He led the league uh, 3.8 yards after contact last year. He's continuing to do it this year. Uh, when when uh, when Charles went down last year, 
you saw Chuck Hendrick West and Spencer Ware step in. They won 11 straight games. So I don't know if we want to talk about Jamal Charles giving them the best shot to win. He's he's coming on 30 years old. He's coming off two ACLs. You know, he, Jamal Charles is not the same running back he was five years ago. And Jamal Charles is going to be gone next year. So I want to talk for just a second uh, about Spencer Ware's dynasty value. With Jamal Charles gone, just how high is Spencer Ware going to be drafted? And uh, do you think that he's worth trading for in dynasty leagues? Because I think his value is still too low in dynasty leagues. It probably is. Um, honest to God, I, I got offered Derrick Henry for him uh, the other day. And I don't know if I should admit that I turned it down. Um, but I, I'm a believer in Spencer Ware. I, I, I got him everywhere I could. Um, after last year, a lot of people thought, oh, OK, it's cool. He was a backup that did some did some work with Jamal Charles out. I've seen him as a lot more than that. Uh, love him. I, I view him as like a top 15 dynasty running back. And I, I think I'm probably higher than most. But there we have almost, you know, what, a 10 game sample of him seeing tons of carries and he's averaging upwards towards six yards per carry. So Spencer Ware is the real deal. He's playing on Andy Reid's team. Andy Reid's not getting fired anytime soon. So um, Spencer Ware. Yeah, I, I do believe if you can get him in Dynasty for, you know, get him off someone that doesn't realize that Jamal Charles is probably towards the end of his career and he might not be back next year. Um, yeah. Trade for Spencer Ware. You know, if Spencer Ware wasn't behind Eric Fisher and friends, I would say that you're crazy because I think Derrick Henry is going to be really good, but it's just a better offense to be in. So um, I think I probably would have turned the trade down, too. Yeah, no, it's weird to say that because I, I do want to get some Derrick Henry. If you can get you could probably get him cheap right now because people are like, oh, now he's behind DeMarco Murray. I'm just holding on to this piece. If you're looking for those guys that are looking to win now, you could probably trade for for Henry right now. Now, let's talk about some of the guys here on the fringe at the running back position that, you know, people aren't sure if they should start them or sit them. They're right there around 25 to 35 in the rankings. I'm high on Zach Zenner again. I know he's all the way down at 46 in ECR, and I've been a Zenner fan all season, but, you know, he got the job done. And, and unless Washington comes back, uh, and, and they're talking about it being a possibility, but unless he comes back, I think Zenner earned himself some more carries, and it's it's not a bad matchup, so... I think with the volume that Zenner's going to get, he's startable in deeper flex leagues. Zenner is an interesting one. I don't know. I mean, uh, like like we talked about before, is like we're strapped at the running back position this year. There's not many guys that you could say, oh, they're guaranteed to get this much work because you really can't. Zenner did a fine job last week, but whenever they have Theo Riddick and or Dwayne Washington in the lineup, they don't give the ball to Zenner at all. Like he's just just not part of the game plan. It was reassuring to see him used over Forsett because Forsett is just a guy that He's just a guy that let's just say that. Um, but if Dwayne, if Dwayne Washington is, is back this week, Zenner goes way down my boards. Uh, that's something I'm paying attention to. I just don't know if he's back. If, if they're still saying they're going to hold him out another week, I don't know what's going on with Riddick because I noticed that I'm higher on Riddick this week than a lot of people, but I'm guessing it's because they don't think Riddick's going to play. Um, I'm assuming right now that Riddick does play and that Washington does play, but we just, it's just something we have to pay attention to. But if both Riddick and uh, Washington are out, yeah, Zach Zenner is absolutely a flex play. Now, how do you feel about Jarek McKinnon? He's sitting there at 26 ECR. I've got him bumped up to 21. I watched this guy play on tape, and he looks like he can be really good. I know the stats aren't there. His yards per carry are low, but you know they've had a lot of guys injured on their offensive line, and I think this is a big week for him. I know that Philly has had a really good run defense. I've had a bunch of people from Philadelphia say, man, you talk down on our defense way too much. But the fact of the matter is, I, I think that it's due for regression. You look at the guys Philly has uh, has gone up against, and it's, it's not a very impressive list. I think they're a mediocre, maybe a little better run defense this year. And for a guy like McKinnon, who's getting the touches that he's getting, uh, I think that he's startable. This should be a bounce back game for McKinnon. Um, you even look at the last couple weeks against uh, Philly, Riddick, you know, he scored a couple touchdowns, although they were receiving. But then Matt Jones last week, Matt Jones um, was able to go off for 135 yards against them. So, I mean, they're not a, they're not a they're not a wall. And we're not talking about a, a Minnesota team that's going to allow a ton of points to Philly. So I would imagine Jarek McKinnon is going to see a healthy workload. And there's only been one running back that has seen more than 12 carries against Philly. And that was Matt Jones. Obviously, we just talked about what he just did. McKinnon, the only reason I worry about him is because he's 
he's a very patient runner, almost too patient of a runner for his offensive line. Um, he, he, it's like Le'Veon Bell, when he gets the ball, he, 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 he takes time. He kind of analyzes what's going on in front of him. And then he, then he goes and he finds his way where in this, uh, with this offensive line that just Andre Smith, the, the right tackle, he was just announced out for the year. You know, they lost Matt Khalil, their left tackle earlier in the season. So it's an offensive line that is not ideal for Jarek McKinnon. Um, they don't block very well when they block. Well, is when he's going to make tons and tons of plays. That's my issue with him. But this week, I do believe he's going to get enough carries to land himself in, you know, that bottom end RB2, high end RB3 conversation with upside for more. Because as I talked about, he's always he's always that guy that you're just waiting for him and he's going to make that splash play. I, I don't necessarily think Asiata is is a better guy to play. Where do you how do you feel about these pass catching backs? You know, the James Whites, who I think is overrated after after the two touchdowns and Deion Lewis coming back eventually. Um you know, guys like Gio Bernard and Chris Thompson, Darren Sproles. Where do you stand on those guys this week? Well, Gio, um, I'm slowly backing off Gio. I liked him last week, um, but it, it, I like Gio when it's a negative game script for them, where, where they're underdogs, where they're going to have to be throwing because Cincinnati wants Jeremy Hill to be the guy. And a lot of people have given Jeremy Hill a lot of crap because they just they, they say they say they don't believe he's good. You know, this and that after the preseason, you know, it, it's such a roller coaster that you ride with some of these running backs. And Jeremy Hill, we don't see more than more ups and downs than him. Um, I have not I have not given up on Jeremy Hill as a running back. I do believe he's a fine running back. Um, so I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Bernard. I've never really been. Um I think there was one. I don't actually there may have been zero games last year where Gio Bernard scored more than 16 standard fantasy points, um, which is it basically means he has no upside um, in, in the offense. And that was with Hugh Jackson there. So there there were of course, they were going to take a step back this year. Um, but as for James White, I watched this guy on tape and I still I believe his talent is underrated, his talent. Now, in regards to fantasy situation, New England's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to own any Patriots running back, which is why I typically avoid um, trying to roster them. But it's starting to clear up a little bit. We know LeGarrette Blunt is LeGarrette Blunt in, in good game scripts. He's going to score a touchdown. He might get 50 yards, whatever. Um, but James White. He's been over the last two weeks since Tom Brady got back. James White has been um, the number eight running back in standard leagues, number six in PPR. And if you go back to last year, there were six games that um, James White played where he was like this getting the starter snaps when Deion Lewis was out. He was a top 24 running back in four and in, in five, five of the six games. And then he was a top 12, I want to say, in three of the games. So it's like. I understand the touches are not they're not 20 touches a game. They're not Jamal Charles or Le'Veon Bell type touches, but he's doing everything he can with the touches he's given in a high scoring offense. Um, the problem is when you find games where they're going to be murdering the opponent, you worry about, you know, will he see more than five catches? And is that it? You don't really know. So I understand the worry with James White, but the results, they've really, really been there like every single week that he's played. So it's it's hard to argue against James White right now. Yeah, I agree. I have him right there in, in the back end of my flex. But, you know, I see where he is all the way up there in ECR. And I'm just kind of shaking my head like that always happens after two touchdowns. Well, I don't know why the experts are falling for for the touchdown trap. I mean, touchdowns are touchdowns. They're they're kind of fluky. You know, some players put up a lot of touchdowns and, and that's consistent. But James White isn't one of those guys. It's just going to come down to opportunity and uh, he's not getting a ton of touchdown opportunities. So I'm not expecting a touchdown this week. I mean, sure, it could happen. It could happen where he gets two touchdowns again, but I'm not banking on it. So I have him right there on the fringe this week. No, and, and believe me, I understand the worry in mine. I didn't even realize he scored two touchdowns last week. Um, I, I just just pulled up that box score to look at it. I didn't even realize he did. And that's just that's my feeling on James White. My like the week before that, I watched James White uh, and on tape, like he just looks so good with the ball in his hands. I, Scott Barrett and I were having a conversation um, about James White and saying that even when Deion Lewis, he hasn't resumed practicing yet. We don't know if he's coming back anytime soon. 
We don't know that Deion Lewis is necessarily better than James White in the passing game. Like watching from a film perspective, like Deion Lewis, he was a solid player. Don't get me wrong. But what player hasn't been in that role for the Patriots and not succeeded? So um, we look at James White and we think that he's perfectly fine for this offense. They're starting to give him a couple more carries because last year there wasn't a single game where James White saw more than five carries. And this week or, or this past week, seven carries five carries the week prior. So he's getting a couple more carries, but that's not what you roster him for. You're looking for the catches from Tom Brady. And um, like I said, it's hard to argue with the results, but I do understand the worry because it's, it's almost impossible sometimes to, to imagine a running back carries his level of efficiency because going back to last year, he averaged the most fantasy points per touch of any running back higher than Deion Lewis. And that continued into this year. So it's just, it's, it's tough to argue with his efficiency, but I do understand the worry. Mike, let's talk about some wide receivers now. There's a couple guys that ECR has out of the top 35. So ECR, you know, the expert consensus is telling you probably not a good idea to start these guys, but I'm starting all of them. The first one is Ty Montgomery. We already talked about him a little bit. ECR is at number 38. I expect that one to climb. I have him all the way up at 26 right now. I want to talk about Jamison Crowder. He's clearly the number one there in Washington. Jordan Reed's probably going to be out again. ECR has him at 45. How high are you on Tagley? Uh, uh, how high are you on Crowder? I am somewhat high on Crowder. Uh, Quandre Diggs is the slot cornerback for Detroit, and he hasn't you know, really been something to worry about. I know like that's the reason a lot of people like Tavon Austin last week, and he kind of killed all of us. Um, but Jamison Crowder, the Jamison Crowder, the, the reason that I'm a little worried about him is that ever since, and it's, it's total backwards, but ever since Josh Doxson got out of the lineup, it seems like they're giving him less care, like less targets. And I don't understand why, because he's producing on the targets he's being given. Um, I'm trying to pull up the targets because I actually tweeted about it. Um, recent. Yeah. So the last three weeks, three targets, three targets, four targets. I, I just don't understand why they're not using him. And then you look at Jordan Reed. We don't know if he's going to be able to play. I don't think he's been cleared from his concussion yet. So the target should be there. Um, Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, they're going to match up with Prashad Breland and Josh Norman, which regardless of what people think, that's that's a really tough matchup. So I'm down on, on Marvin Jones this week. Golden Tate, I'm not buying into a one-week sample yet. Um, I do think that uh, – I do. Uh, I, I totally went to the other side of the ball. I'm just talking about the entire game now. Uh, but Quandre Diggs this year, like I said, he hasn't been really good. Jamison Crowder should be able to get more than four targets in this game. The the lone concern is why the reason I think he's ranked outside of the top 30 is because of that. You know, he'd have to keep up massive, massive efficiency in order to live up to a wide receiver three price tag. I'm also high on Michael Thomas. ECR has him at 37. I've got him at 31. I might even bump him up a little more, but I just think in that offense, in this game, Michael Thomas is a really talented player and he's healthy now. I think he's even passed up Sneed. I know he hasn't in the snap count, but I think Thomas is, is going to be a better target for Drew Brees going forward the rest of the season. I didn't even realize how good this guy has been. Uh, I drafted him in one of my keeper leagues and he was kind of just like a backup receiver for me because I thought he might turn into something. And um, I started going through my teams this week looking at waiver wires and things like that. And I knew Michael Thomas had been good. I didn't realize how good. Um, 11.8 or more PPR points in, in every game but one. Um, over his last three games, he scored in every single game. He's starting to see more and more targets. There's never been, there hasn't been a game where he has, he's had fewer than five targets. So if you're comparing him and Crowder, although the perception on Crowder might be that he's just missing the targets and not only is he missing the targets, but Thomas is producing better too. So Michael Thomas is a guy that I think a lot of people, it seems like with his ECR have falling, fallen into, okay, touchdown, you know, the reason that he's kind of been producing is because of just touchdowns. It's really not. Um, he's seeing the targets, his yardage totals are, they're decent. Um, so yeah, Michael Thomas is, uh, he's a, he's a every week wide receiver three. Who's a wide receiver that you're really high on this week, Mike? A wide receiver that I'm really high on that maybe not everybody else's is, is, uh, maybe like Alshon Jeffrey. Um, as I said, I know I said earlier that, um, a lot of people have been dogging Jeffrey, and I know that a lot of people are saying that they'd start Cameron Meredith over him because he's seen more targets. And while I can't argue, you know, with the production and kind of what they've allowed to this point, 
What I can argue is that Alshon Jeffrey is the more talented wide receiver. Um, he's been a wide receiver one for a few years. It's not like this is his first go around and it's just all based on hype. No, we, we've seen the guy do it um, after, you know, with Alshon Jeffrey, like the the last six quarters like that he's played with Brian Hoyer, he has seen 18 targets. So he's getting there. It's more and more, you know, that's after the first, you know, couple weeks with him. He wasn't barely seeing anything. Another reason to like Jeffrey that I kind of I came across this last night. Um, he's the only receiver with more than 301 yards receiving that has not scored a touchdown. And uh, John Brown has 301, but Jeffrey sits at 487 yards, zero touchdowns. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, it, it really is. You know, people are looking at Kenny Britt and thinking he's had a fantastic season. He has basically the same yardage, just two touchdowns. Um, so when you look at that much yardage, his his target numbers, you know, starting to rise and everything. The fact that the Packers are missing three cornerbacks in this game. I love Alshon Jeffrey this week. And uh, it, if I were to be playing Thursday DFS, he should be locked in your lineup. The other guy I wanted to talk about is Brashard Perryman. Uh, I don't think it's any I don't think it's any mistake that Perryman had eight targets, which is more than he's had all season, the first game that they have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I think that Perryman's going to have a much bigger role in this offense. I think he's going to pass up uh, Mike Wallace. And I've got Perryman right there at number 41, which in deeper leagues, that's a starter. You can't really. Here's the here's the concern though with with him this week is that Joe Flacco missed practice. Um, I think it was on Tuesday. I don't know if I don't know if he practiced yesterday. Um, but Joe Flacco is dealing with some sort of shoulder injury, and they were trying to give him some rest. Uh, what what Perriman does is get the deep ball. The worry I have for him is that him and Mike Wallace are kind of similar players. Um, you know, they 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 have a similar similar average depth of target. Perriman's actually deeper downfield where they think that Wallace is probably the more well-rounded receiver at this point in their career. Um, you know, Kamar Aiken is eating things up a little bit underneath. The reason I think that the targets, I don't know if it even has to do with the OC change. It might have something more to do with uh, Steve Smith being out and Kamar Aiken just not having the reps that he needs to in order to, I don't know. I, 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 I struggle when talking about the Ravens because coming into the year, I thought we could have, locked in Kamar Aiken into one of the starter roles and it just re it really hasn't happened. You know, Mike Wallace is an every down player. Brashad Perriman is becoming that. Uh, and then Steve Smith was eating up the slot snaps snaps before he got hurt. He's not going to play this week. The Jets are definitely, definitely beatable through the air. But my concern is Flacco, as it typically usually is. <laughs> uh, I never feel comfortable with Joe Flacco. Mike, let's talk about some tight ends. Who's a tight end that a lot of people aren't starting this week, but you would encourage them to start anyway? Oh, man, I, it's really tough for me and tight ends because they're, they're kind of all over the board. Um, but because, I mean, Delaney Walker, people would probably be starting him if they had him just because he is Delaney Walker. He had a bad game last week, um, but he's he should bounce back. Antonio Gates is one that I would urge people to not shy away from this week. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because you, you look at Atlanta and they've been kind of like, you know, we talked about the Saints run defense. Atlanta's been like the tight end goldmine for everybody. Um, there's been multiple games uh, like if you go through it, they've allowed at least one 10 point PPR tight end in all but one game. The only game that they didn't allow a, a 10 point tight end was against Denver. And that was the week that Virgil Green uh, missed and John Phillips was forced to be the starter. He saw one target, but you go through their weeks. They've allowed more than uh, 70 yards to uh, three of the tight ends, a touch. Uh, they've allowed, I think it's like six tight end touchdowns already. The reason that I, I like Hunter Henry, I'd actually probably rank him higher going forward, but here's the thing, Antonio Gates, you want to look for him in good matchups because I know for a fact they've said it is that the, the Chargers and Phillip Rivers, they want to get Antonio Gates the record. I want to say he's six touchdowns away right now um, where they want him to be the standalone guy. So I do think they're going to force feed him, especially against a defense like Atlanta, who might worry a little bit more about Hunter Henry than Antonio Gates. I love Julius Thomas this week. I pick on Oakland for tight end every week. They were uh, number 31 last year against tight ends in, in fantasy points and uh, this year, they've been really bad, too. I think Blake, I already talked about how I love Blake Bortles this week. I think Julius Thomas ends up getting a touchdown or two, and I have him all the way up at number five this week. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that um, I have him at nine, but I could understand why you like him. Um, A lot of people like Travis Kelsey for that reason last week. But understand that the field conditions were really, really bad last week. Um, The the Chiefs only threw the ball 22 times. That's not going to happen with the Jaguars this week. I do believe that that game is one of the shootouts. I think the over under on that game is 49. So, yeah, I definitely like Julius Thomas as well. Now, there's some people still scrambling to figure out what defense they're going to stream this week because maybe they didn't win their their waiver claim uh, for for Cincinnati or whoever it was that was available. Um, Who's a defense that they can pick up that you think will be reliable this week? Uh, You know, this is uh, I I told people Tennessee. I don't think I think like right now they're probably going to be struggling to find many defenses that are on the waiver wire that they can pick up because waivers have cleared and all that stuff. Um, But if you're looking for one that might be people might be scared of, it's Tennessee uh, against the Colts. Nobody, nobody really wants to start a defense against a top tier quarterback, but understand that Andrew Luck, I think he's been sacked 23 times this year already. He's holding onto the ball. I think every longer than every other quarterback outside of Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor obviously makes, makes room with his legs. And that's why he holds onto the ball longer. Um, Tennessee has 12 sacks over the last two games. Andrew Luck is also known to throw the occasional pick six. This game is in Tennessee. I believe they're, they might be a slight favorite. Uh, in this game. So um, I'd say Tennessee, Tennessee should should be a solid play this week. I also like the giants at Los Angeles. Uh, Case Keenum is not going to break a record this week. Don't worry about that guys. Uh, The giants have a pretty good defense too. So I I think Case Keenum turnover machine, it's going to happen again this week. And then the other one that I think is kind of sneaky is the Tampa Bay bucks at Colin Kaepernick. I'm not even going to say the team. All you have to say is Kaepernick and you know, it's a good start for a defense, right? Yeah, I would probably say the Giants over them, but I understand the thought process on that. As long as they get some of their their front four back, because I know they were missing some before their bye week. Um, The Giants and it's important to state that the Giants at the Rams, they're not really a a, a away team because you usually look for a home team when you're trying to stream a defense in in a one where they're favored. I know this says at L.A., but it's in London, so it's actually nobody's really has the home game here. If anything, the Giants are probably a bigger team. So um, this is almost a Giants home game. Mike, I've had a lot of trade questions emailed and tweeted to me lately because it's just that time of fantasy football season where everyone's trying to trade. So I want to talk really quick before we end about trade theory, then highlight a a, a piece or two that maybe we should target. Um, What are you looking for when you're trying to find a buy low candidate? Uh, I'm looking for someone that people are panicking on that has a history of production, not necessarily like a, a one year player that you just believe in. But I'm looking for someone with a history of production like an Alshon Jeffrey. Um, Alshon Jeffrey is somebody that I've targeted in. Oh, God, <laughs> way too many leagues. And I did end up getting him in a few of them. In one, I was able to get Alshon Jeffrey for Frank Gore. So it goes to show you that the, the view on Jeffrey right now. That's like incredible. Yeah, like I said, some people believe that Cameron Meredith is the more valuable receiver right now. And if you can find someone like that, those are the ones that you should be targeting. For me, I'm looking a a lot for low touchdown rates and a guy who's getting enough volume and, you know, goal line touches or uh, red zone targets that he's going to end up getting touchdowns. So uh, there's plenty of guys that stand out. But the the number one guy is Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I'm right in line with you. That's what I had written down. But. For me, the person that I am trying to buy in every single league right now is Jameis Winston, believe it or not. Uh, I love pairing Jameis Winston and Tyrod Taylor the rest of the year. In fact, I love it so much that I would rather have that duo than any single quarterback in fantasy football than Cam- besides Cam Newton. Uh, I'm trying to trade Tom Brady in one of my leagues right now because his stock's so high. And I know that I can go out there and get Jameis and Tyrod for a lot cheaper. If you look at their schedules the rest of the way, Jameis Winston has the easiest schedule ever, especially in the playoffs, fantasy football playoffs, where he gets the New Orleans Saints twice. And then he only has two rough weeks. It's week 11 and week 12. And Tyrod has perfect matchups those week. I think Jameis Winston and Tyrod Taylor the rest of the season are a great duo and I'm recommending everybody go out and make a move for these guys. Yeah. Jameis Winston, he was somebody I loved before the season started. Um, I do want to see him start to play better before trusting him completely because he has a good matchup this week against San Fran uh, and he should do fine. Hopefully it's a confidence builder. Hopefully the bye week did him well. Um, but you know, like, like talking about some other players who, who I, I would love to buy on right now that I, like I talked about history, one being Aaron Rodgers. you know, um, 
right now, people are looking at him as, you know, should I start him or someone else? That's never a question that people ask. Um, and if you look at his upcoming schedule, the Bears this week, then the Falcons, the Colts, the Titans, Redskins, these are not teams that you should be scared of uh, when starting Aaron Rodgers. He'll find his groove sooner rather than later. And I looked at it. It's funny because people can, that consider this guy to be in a massive slump. Yeah, and he is. But outside of the Minnesota game, because I don't think I'm going to I don't want to count any quarterback against Minnesota. They're just that good. Um, But if you look at every other game in his other four games, he's had 10 touchdowns, 10 total touchdowns, two and a half per game. I don't think that that's putting you outside the top five at your position. Um, And considering what's going on with their running game and their lack of running game, he's going to be throwing more going forward. Love Aaron Rodgers. And another one who you can get essentially free is Jeremy Macklin. Um, his target, his target numbers are still up. He's averaging 7.6 per game, uh, that averages 21st among wide receivers. And, uh, a lot of people are panicking on him. They're, they're selling him for dirt cheap. Uh, some people in 10 team leagues have told me that he's been dropped, which is just crazy to me. Um, he's been a consistent wide receiver two, wide receiver three when he plays. So, um, he's got some touchdown regression as well. I've got a theory that I use in fantasy football pretty often, probably one or two times a year, and it's called trade arbitrage. And so what I'm trying to do is I buy a guy low, and then like four weeks later, I'll sell the same guy. I'll sell him a lot higher. And this guy right now is CJ Anderson. I'm looking at his upcoming schedule, and it's great. He's got San Diego, Oakland, New Orleans. After these three or four games that he has coming up, I'm immediately going to turn around and sell him because I don't like his matchups in the playoffs, but I think his stock is about to soar and you can get him real cheap right now. So I'm trading for CJ Anderson. Yeah. And for those that didn't watch the game last week against the Chargers, CJ Anderson should have had a monster game. Uh, just a lot of loss, lost a lot to penalties. So, um, yeah, no, he's a fantastic play uh, or a trade target. Good. Yeah, no, he's definitely a trade target because he's a very talented running back. You know, um, this is a, this is an offense that struggled uh, to find their, I guess, identity with, with Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. Um, but their defense is still good. They're going to get DeMarcus Ware back soon. Uh, that'll help. And that's never going to take their running game away. I just think Kubiak needs to get back to the basics here. Go back to the run game. And I do like your call on CJ Anderson. Well, Mike, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Really appreciate you coming on again. Always fun to talk to you and good luck this week. Absolutely. Good luck to you. All right. That's all we have for the weekly ranking show. We've got one more show coming up this week with Justin McMahon of DailyFantasyInsider.com to talk about DFS for the week seven slate. Make sure to tune in for that. And remember, we've got the My Playbook Ultimate Sweepstakes, and all you have to do to win is rate and review us, subscribe on iTunes, copy and paste it into an email to me. That's Bobby at FantasyPros.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all.